Hello and welcome. My name is Timp. They call me Axel. And I am known as Herfy Durfy. And this is Go Mode, a Link to the Past randomizer podcast. It's a podcast about a Link to the Past randomizer, and you can listen to it at work or while you're driving or while you're doing chores or really just whenever. Yes. So you're probably still hearing some music. I did go ahead and extend that music, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of last episode. Since these intros have gotten a bit longer, I felt like we needed a little bit more music to kind of carry us through it. So I just wanted to kind of show that to you. That was a demonstration. New music. Shout out to Tim for for being the creator of this song. I think we talked about this last time already, but still. We did. We did, yeah. I just, it was so silent i felt like i had to say something and that was the first thing that came to my mind <laughs> yeah. if these intros so. get long enough we'll eventually have like a full three minute track with you know an orchestra that recorded it <laughs> and, uh... no joke like that's that's the dream like i have a version of this song that's like a whole big band arrangement and if i can just hire you know 20 musicians for about three hours i could i could do it but Unfortunately, uh, I just can't do that. Yeah, I will, I will toot on the saxophone very poorly for you. So, uh, <laughs> you got one. Okay. All right. But uh, I haven't uh, played it in about 20 years, so you might get, you know, middle school child level of play. All right. Well, you know, anytime you practice your randomizer, just also get out the sax, practice the sax at the same time. <laughs> and, you know, in a couple of years, I think we'll be ready to do it. One player, two controllers. Only one controller is a saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> That's like when people use the Guitar Hero guitar uh-huh. to like do mm-hmm. stuff. There was another person playing A Link to the Past with uh, two DDR pads, by the way, that I saw on Twitter. That So now there's there's Dante and there's another person. Um, I'll, I'll find the, the username and, and a link to him and all that. But isn't that great? Like, just related to a, weird controller. Yeah. A DDR tour... Actually, that would be a really fun gimmick tournament, is you have to play, but you can't use a normal controller. It might only get, like, four or five people to enter, but it would mm-hmm. be very funny to watch. And and there's only one controller per entrant. Like, somebody has two DDR pads, <laughs> that's taken. Mm-hmm. Now somebody has to go with, you know, Guitar Hero controller, Rock Band drums. The uh, Donkey yeah, Kongo was... bongos. <laughs> oh, I don't man. think there's enough buttons on that. that I have a open. feeling that all these tournament matches will take very long. <laughs> <laughs> they can play on easy. Yeah, yeah. still. Uh, just, you know, navigating through anything. Well, you know, we're used to tournaments having five or six stages. I'm thinking this would be like eight entrants, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. There wouldn't, there wouldn't be a whole Best of games. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was uh, at Ace of Arrows, by the way, on Twitter, that was playing. Um, it, it wasn't randomizer. It was a Link to the Past vanilla uh, NMG speedrun with two DDR pads. So um, we've, we've got some, some people that are <laughs> really pushing this game to its limits, and I just absolutely love it. I'm waiting for the blindfold run. No, oh, man. In randomizer. I'm not sure if I that's say, a possible thing. I feel thing. like I want to just go ahead and say that's impossible, but it's it's foolish to say things yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, I would think that, like, the what is it, Castlevania Symphony of the Night that always gets played blindfolded mm-hmm. at GDQ, and I would, you know, the first time I saw that, I was like, that's, there's no way, and yet there is a way, and it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. There's that one, and then there's Punch-Out gets played blindfolded a lot. 
Yeah, Punch Out. There's been a recent video released by Summoning Salt on YouTube. I encourage yeah. everyone to check out that uh, talks about the history of Blindfolded Punch Out, and it's a lot more intricate than you would first think. But I still think Punch Out is kind of like when I imagine a blindfolded game and think about it really hard now that we've seen it a couple of times. I think Punch Out really is one of the games that kind of lends itself towards that idea. It totally does. Yeah, yeah it makes no perfect sense. <clears throat> Movement. Yeah. With uh, with uh, stuff like Link to the Past, even NMG, or say other things like Super Metroid, that's been done blindfolded as well. And I'm like, how do you do that? There's so much RNG, like the, the enemy movement and random stuff flying up or down or God knows what. It's just, it blows my mind. Yeah, yeah I mean, Super Metroid would be ridiculous. Symphony of the Night kind of gets away with it because they keep all these top-tier weapons, so you just kind of mm -hmm. go in and nobody is really a threat to you but mm -hmm. super metro i would love to see that super metroid blindfold because i don't know how you would fight like ridley yeah exactly stuff like that is just you know how do you even know in those huge uh vertical corridors where you are and which door you need to enter and stuff it's crazy yeah, yeah it's crazy uh well anyway as far as the link to the past randomizer that you can see uh, we have a few updates around the community. Uh, we sort of wrapped up our fall tournament coverage last time, but obviously there is a pretty huge amount of news or a huge item of news to talk about there, which is that it's over and we do have a winner. Uh, Andy did come out on top. So in addition to winning the, uh, speaking of Super Metroid, the you know SMZ3R randomizer, he won that. Mm -hmm. He's also won this tournament. So pretty much at the top of his game, um, but it, it concludes what was a great tournament. Um, any other final thoughts about this one? Uh, I mean, I thought the games were great. It was really close. I thought uh, the one game that especially sticks out to me was the game that uh, the lane played and uh, he forgot that it was all dungeons for a second. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of a longer time than a second. And then somehow still managed to pull out the win only because Andy decided to go uh, full left side in Ganon's Tower instead of right side. That's right. There was also, yeah, I got uh, to catch the end of that one. <clears throat> wasn't it that Willard J. Bradley came down from 0-2 to win the third place match 3-2? Three, three yeah. Yeah, yeah that's the, ridiculous. The full run back yeah, for the bronze. Shout out to Willard J. Bradley. That was, that was extremely impressive as well. Cool. Well, that wraps up. God, I feel like this is going to be a different show when we don't have a fall tournament to talk about because we've literally <laughs> been talking about it since our oh, first man. episode. I just but, want to say I'm so glad it's finally over. <laughs> yeah, hats off to all the uh, tournament admins and commentators and restreamers and trackers and just everybody. I think there were a lot of people helping out in that whole time yeah, period. Yeah, definitely. Also, from me, kind of... Uh, abusing my power as a go mode podcast host to reach out and say thanks to all the volunteers that helped us run this tournament as an admin of it i uh i feel like i should be thanking people left and right it was uh, it wouldn't have been possible without all the volunteers so big thanks to everyone players included absolutely yeah and you're you're always welcome to use this as a as an avenue to speak to whomever you'd like her so yeah, yeah i know i know it's just i don't know i i like to separate the two you know yeah, when, I unless I have some juicy information, then I don't like to separate the two too much. <laughs> <laughs> and we love you for that, yep. truly. 
Um, so we have another tournament that wrapped up. As we mentioned, we have our Challenge Cup that was pretty much running concurrently with the Fall Tournament also has come to a conclusion. Uh, GG to Chazame. And I'm pretty sure it is Chazame. I know we've said Chazame in the past. I'm, I think it's Chazame. Uh, beat out Espeon 65536, 2-1. Yeah, shout-outs to Chazame. Uh, congratulations on coming out uh, on top of this tournament. Also, shout-outs to Frostbite3030, who did take the bronze. So that's nothing to sneeze at. And then uh, Ost28 was fourth. So shout-outs to all of them. Any final thoughts on the Challenge Cup? Well, as you said, big shout-outs, big GGs to everyone. Uh, top four, nothing to sneeze at at all. Uh, I think these guys have proven that they can hang with the best as well. So uh, maybe we'll see them in the next official tournament. Yeah, yeah I, I really like the idea, and I would hope that, you know, I know that uh, the Challenge Cup was run by a, a different group from the main fall tournament, but I think it was really a great idea to take the folks who either for whatever reason couldn't get into the qualifiers or they didn't qualify in the qualifiers and put them in a tournament and kind of play it alongside the main one because uh, it was a great opportunity for people to get some playtime and get some experience in a tournament setting. So, again, I know that kind of got thrown together pretty quickly, but I think it was, I'll say it was successful. Absolutely. Yeah, Definitely. I mean, it had some uh, some birthing pains, I want to call them, but I think everyone or every tournament or everything does if you throw it together that quickly. And it went pretty well. It took about as long as ours did. It, uh, you know, crowned a winner. It did everything it was supposed to do. There weren't any major screw-ups or any drama that happened out of that as far as I know. So, yeah, definitely pretty good. Absolutely. Looking forward to the next one. Yeah. yeah. So now we can all take a little hibernation and, uh, you know, focus on our practicing everything in the privacy of our own uh, non-streamed stuff. Like, uh, for example, if you're like me and forgot how to do the bomb jump, you can just <laughs> endlessly practice that and not really feel <laughs> like, you know, you need to have a, a stream up and running for your, your next match. Yeah, everybody use your breaks wisely. Maybe we should turn our uh, Rando Resolutions channel in Discord into like a, uh, you know, break training channel to talk about like, okay, what are you going to be able to do by the end of this break that you couldn't do before in preparation for the next tournament coming up? Something like that, you know? I Everybody's going to say hovering. <laughs> I mean, you guys... They know it's good for them. You guys keep talking about a break, but the community tournaments, they just keep coming, man. I mean, I don't know how many there are now, but there's a lot of them. Everywhere I look, everyone's talking about a different tournament that they're joining. Uh, it kind of feels like the burnout that everyone was feeling, the players are ready to go still. Yeah, well, when you think about it, I mean, brackets only involve a small amount of people, and they did go on for pretty, you know, maybe like a month, maybe even longer in mm -hmm. both tournaments. So that's a lot of people just sitting by the sidelines, you know, not getting to participate. That That's true. I think a lot of them maybe are raring to go. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, if you are taking a break, which I personally am, uh, I think that's a good idea. But if you feel like still playing, there's plenty of different tournaments. There was talk about uh, a league coming up of some sort. There's the Spoiler Lock tournament. There's the a Plando tournament, I think, is still ongoing. There's other stuff that we've mentioned that I don't even have on my radar. So there's a ton of stuff still going on. Yeah, I believe this is the first that we've mentioned on this show, the Spoiler Log Tournament. So 
I, I don't have a lot of info about that. I don't think it's started yet. I, I, I could be wrong about that, but I will do some research and be sure to check the description of this episode and we'll, we'll find some supporting documentation if you're interested in checking that one out. Yeah, and we'll, we'll definitely be talking in more detail about it once we actually know more that's going on. I think some of these haven't even started yet, as you said, so don't worry about it. Yeah. The one tournament that I would love, I don't think it's happening, but I would love to have run is a like team tournament where you make teams of four or something like that and the team has to collectively beat the seed and they just take whoever is the fastest it's almost like in golf if you play a match and you do like a best ball so like everybody hits off the tee and then you take whoever's best shot it is and those four people can like coordinate amongst themselves and try to figure it out uh, I think it'd be very interesting from a viewer's perspective because you would see, okay, like, you know, it might be very hard to kind of watch because you might have eight different people on screen at one time. Um, so maybe I'm thinking out loud now, it wouldn't actually be that fun to watch. Uh, <laughs> but the, I think maybe the, the routing for it and the planning and the coordinating would be kind of interesting because you'd have a totally different game. Things that maybe you wouldn't pull in a normal seed, you'd be like, you know, let's say it was like the three of us and then somebody else would be like, all right, Herf, like, you know, go do left side swamp. And then at the same time, Tip is going to try to go do like some, some darkroom shenanigans over in Pod and Axe is going to go do the blacksmith chain. Mm -hmm. um, and... You know, it just it might it might get some interesting claws and plays that otherwise you wouldn't really see out there in the wild. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting <clears throat> thought experiment. You know, I think you would see a lot of people doubling back because it, it would also be interesting too. Because like you, it takes the voice chat thing we were talking about sort of legitimizes it, right? So I would yeah. imagine everyone would have to be on voice chat with their team. Mm -hmm. um, you hear someone say, "Oh, you know, I just found Bo uh, at Spectacle Rock." does that person now kind of take over the lead job of being the one who's going to try to beat it ultimately because they have that knowledge or do they pass that off to someone else who maybe has a little bit more progression like coordinating that kind of stuff i think would be really interesting and, and definitely a meadow would kind of you know evolve out of that too yeah i'm almost thinking it would work like uh like crew where you would have you know the guys or girls that are rowing the boat and then the coxswain in the back and the coxswain would in the, my thought here would probably not be the person who's going to finish the seed out, but would just be someone who is focusing on like coordinating everybody and playing themselves. But you know, they're the ones that are doing are like, I'm not going to be the one. A lot going of experimentation, maybe. Yeah, mm -hmm. going to the faraway spots to see if they're worth checking. But they like would that. be like, Herf, you know, you you're near where that bow is. Go get it. Everybody else, hold off and keep checking your stuff. Yeah, I just think it'd be an interesting tournament to uh, to see happen. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll get into the tournament running business and see if I can, uh, spin this well, one up. If you start that tournament and you guys want to be on a team together, I am one hundred percent down. Team go mode. <laughs> team go mode. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of interesting thought experiments, I have been extremely excited to bring this to you guys to hear your thoughts on it. Um, so, uh, as I've mentioned in the past, I'm pretty active on Twitter with the Go Mode podcast account. Certainly more active than I am in my own you know, personal life. Twitter's kind of new to me, but I've really kind of dived in with the Go Mode account and tried to follow as many people as I could that talk about A Link to the Past and especially Randomizer on a regular basis. 
And in doing so, um, you know, I, I guess at some point I found this account of this person at Nimera. That's N-I-M-E-R-R-A. And after following them for a while, I would see pictures show up in the feed of unmistakably like a link to the past screenshots, like, you know, the color palettes that are used. It's like they always catch my eye when I'm scrolling. And I noticed some interesting comments on them talking about like, oh, I've changed it so that now Turtle Rock, you don't need a hammer anymore. You know, stuff like that, for instance. And I'm like, what is this? So I finally just went ahead and sent a message to this person whose name is Ken Fleming. They are actually a game designer. And it turns out these are all their screenshots that they are sharing from a project they're working on called Relink. So what is Relink? It is, I reached out to him and he sent me uh, some info, which I'll link in the description. But Relink is an expansive ROM hack for a uh, ALTTP, which modifies both overworld areas and dungeons to change the required items needed for progression through the game. All of these changes and edits to the game are meant to be used alongside the randomizer. The purpose of this hack is to dramatically expand the pool of available routing options as players find important unique items. Relink is not about adding new challenges, devious puzzles, nor is it long, stressful gauntlet encounters. Relink is not a ground-up overhaul project either. Vanilla progression through the game in the intended order is still maintained. I specifically want the game to still feel like it's ALTTP when you play. And it, and it goes on, but what do you guys think about this idea of just kind of making small modifications to ALTTP so that it's a little more friendly and interactive, even more so than it already is, towards the randomizer element of the mod that we like to play? Hmm. So, Tim, a clarifying question. Would this be something like in uh, Thieves Town uh, having the hammer pegs not be there so that you can get to the big chest without the hammer? Essentially. So I've just shared the uh, Twitter feed of this, uh, of this individual. If you want to click on that, just scroll through their Twitter and you can see some of the screenshots. And for instance, one of them is um, you know one of the more recent ones. They've added a uh, platform of spikes to the Turtle Rock Red, Red Cane platform room, the second room in Turtle Rock, so that if you don't have the Red Cane, you can still use something like the Blue Cane or the Cape to get around. So it opens up alternate options uh, to get around the world that weren't available before that make use of some of the items that don't get used as much, like the cape, for instance. Yeah, I just uh, I just saw that image. That is, that is a fascinating idea. I mean, even looking at it too, it's interesting because so so I'll just describe quickly the image. So it's the the very kind of first main room in TR, and there's like Tim said, spikes going around the edge, but there are not spikes connecting the entrance and the compass room. So if you wanted to use the cape to get around you'd have to go the long way around, which means there's still a time advantage if you have the vanilla progression items. Exactly. Yeah. That's fascinating. But another thing they did is connect the two uh, Dark Woods areas. You know how we were talking about in the Skullwoods episode, there's one that you just never e need to go into at all. They've connected them so that you can go between the two, and I think they even made different requirements to get in one versus the other. So and it also does things like that a lot, where it utilizes areas of the vanilla game that don't get seen at all in Randomizer by you know connecting them in some way. I think the uh, swamp or the Misery Mire area has also been connected through a series of uh, additional item chains you can use to get in it instead of only the flute being an option. Yeah. The, I'm looking. He has a, a, a GIF of 
Eastern Palace and just looking at it. So there's now a block in like the main hallway that you walk into where you have to go left or right, and you can lift that block up and jump down to the big chest. If you go left, there's hammer pegs. It's this is really cool. Mm-hmm. So, so I think we've pretty thoroughly explained kind of what he's doing, and I think we all can understand why he's doing it. So, one of the questions I wanted to bring to you guys, and, and maybe ask our community as well, is um, how do you see this working? You know, do is this something that you see maybe the community at large, uh, or even a segment of it, maybe adapting and kind of playing this version instead of the one we all know and love? Hmm. I mean. <clears throat> Uh, for me, this is basically what I would describe this as, and it's like most basic level. It's essentially a rum hack for the randomizer, not okay. for you know link to the. It's not like a link to the past rum hack, like link between uh, no, what's it called, parallel worlds, parallel worlds, uh, or or stuff like along you know along those lines. It's like that Time for that Bemos. But it's essentially made for the randomizer with uh, the logic in mind. So he's not just changing rooms around. He also has to, you know, he's he has like some coding examples uh, that he's doing recently, apparently, where he's uh, also changing the logic around. And mm-hmm. I think it might like people will definitely check it out just like people check out parallel worlds and play it like once or twice but i'm not sure how many people will stick to it it depends I mean, on go ahead i was just gonna say it depends on how well everything works and how well his logic changes are implemented sure i mean that is going to be a huge obstacle and i did ask him about that we had a, a conversation of messages back and forth on twitter and i asked if i could kind of use that on the record and he said he said uh, of course so I, I did ask him about that. He is making the changes to the world first, kind of based on his own judgment, and then he's going to tackle the logic side of things and, mm-hmm. and making that work. But as you, I mean, that's that's going to be huge. Like that was the first thing that came to my mind is like the amount of changes you have to make to what can and can't be put in certain chests. Now that there are alternate ways to get into a lot of yeah. these various locations, is going to be just mind-boggling to me. Um, you know, if anyone can do it, I would imagine it would be a game designer. So he's definitely got a, a leg up in, in that regard. Um, my biggest concern was mostly just about the adoption, which you kind of touched on, which is, you know, even though I love this idea and I would love to get behind it and support it, trying to convince a large amount of people to completely relearn this game, um, you know, and have to remember not only all the things that we have remembered, but forget some of them because they don't apply anymore and uh-huh. re-remember you know like yeah. oh now i can use the cape instead of the red cane in turtle rock like having to remember that on top of what you already have to remember every time i think is was is a big ask of the community um but you know if if it's good enough and solid enough and it plays well enough and the right kind of people get behind it i i think it, it could catch on i don't know i think it's certainly a fascinating idea yeah one thing i'm wondering is you know, looking through the Twitter account, there are a lot of changes. A lot. And I, and I almost wonder if it's it's too much to start with because yeah. I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, like, man, if I wanted to play this, I think I would probably have to play through Vanilla first just to get an idea of what has changed because so much has changed. Mm-hmm. And it is intended to be beatable Vanilla, by the way. He did specify that. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, um, uh, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure. I think, you know, you, you generally know the areas and what they look like well enough from playing Rando so much that you would notice all the differences, but you probably, as Tim was saying, you probably would have to relearn pretty much everything that you know about the randomizer logic because yeah, like, so many things have changed and things are now accessible that weren't before with different items you know take that skull woods example for example he says he connected those two areas and he did but he put two hammer packs there so now you suddenly need a hammer instead of maybe a fire rod for skull woods or both right yeah and like hook our uh, uh checkerboard cave now is accessible from the light world which is pretty cool mm -hmm. but it requires the red cane to get across yeah exactly so like i just wonder that's kind of what i'm wondering is it it just might be so overwhelming in terms of how much has changed that you can't keep it all straight in your head and mm -hmm. i'm i'm you know i think what he's doing is cool and i'm not trying to you know poo poo on it or anything i'm just wondering if a few less ch like changes that are just hey like the one we showed in TR, where now you can get through TR with this additional item, maybe that's the focus instead of, oh, some things that you remember, like, for example, the checkerboard cave, now you need this additional item that you didn't, bef like, totally different items than you did before, if that makes yeah. sense. It's mm -hmm. just, yeah, uh, it, it, yeah I just, it might be too much to keep everything straight if it's, hey, there's different requirements now and not just, oh, there are different requirements, but you can still get through it the vanilla way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So another thing that another thing that he did that uh, is not even really related. Like I'm looking at a, uh, a layout of Tower of Hera that he did. Instead, when you get up to Moldorm, instead of having to walk all the way down to the south and and jump down, you can do that from the north now. So that cuts out like five seconds, and it's just like a little quality of life thing, you know. So in, in general, I mean, I think he's he's trying to just improve the overall experience of rando which i can absolutely appreciate and i think we're all on the same page there but we maybe just have some concerns about the adoption um and and how it might kind of be received by the community as a whole and um you know whether we could get a, a whole community around you know committed to playing something like this but uh i'm i'm fascinated to see where it goes next yeah, I definitely think it's an amazing idea. Like, as you guys were saying, we're not trying to badmouth it in any right. way. Of course we, not. We, we think yeah. it's great. I just think, you know, as you were saying, another thing I want to touch on is um, people that use trackers, especially trackers with maps, Ooh, they're going to have to completely have that reworked. So we need, you know, community members who are so invested in this that they want to make trackers or change existing trackers for this. And, yeah, I thought about that. Uh, depending, like, it seems like he has to change a lot of the logic that's going on. So it might not even be a concern for him. But if he wants to stay close to the rando version that is out, like the official one, he'll have to, you know, patch his version whenever a patch comes out for the official rando. Which will, you know, it's always kind of bad when you're the last link in a chain and you have to wait for the official version to come out and then you have to kind of patch it into your one and then you have to check if if it messed up your logic somehow or your item placements or whatever. He might not even bother with any of that since he has to change so much of the logic anyways. But it's, yeah, I don't know. It just seems, it's a great idea. I'm just not sure if it's really something that's... I don't want to say viable. Do, yeah, viable, viable is probably viable is probably a better word. 
Yeah. So we will definitely uh, stay updated on that. Like I said, we have a link to a paste bin provided to me by the uh, developer of this uh, that I, you know, I would encourage everyone to check out. And I would also encourage everyone to follow at Nimera on Twitter for updates on this. Uh, he told me he wants to try to have it completely finished in a month. Which sounds okay. very ambitious. To that me. Extremely does ambitious. sound very ambitious. I, yeah. I mean, yeah. best of luck to him. I definitely want to try it out. Yeah. Same. I, I do too. And I think, you know, maybe one of the things that would be helpful is if we get a lot of people from the community playing it and point out things like we're saying here, like, hey, this is a cool idea. But when you're doing this to Checkerboard Cave or, you know, Tower of Hera, you know, that might be a little too much if you want to get the community to sort of play this as a rando thing. Maybe instead you could try doing, you know, like not bug testing per se, but more of like beta testing and giving feedback on, yeah, this seems to work or no, I think you need to rework some of this stuff because I have no idea what, you know, as a designer, I'm sure he's well aware that you need people to actually play your stuff to get ideas of what works and what doesn't. But uh, hopefully, this podcast might give him some uh, some folks to help with that. I yeah. I think what he should do, and I'm sure he's thought about this a lot and knows about it. But I think what a good idea might be is once he releases it, he should um, give everyone kind of like a, a a list, like sort of like patch notes almost. Mm-hmm. Where it's maybe he doesn't, you know, just put, okay, this area is now this area or something like this. Maybe he puts, like, hammer, you know, and then he puts everything that you can now do with a hammer. You know, like, hammer now lets you go between the two Skullwoods areas. Hammer now lets you skip this part of Turtle Rock or whatever the heck it might be. So, you know, if you play Rando normally and then you try out his game for the first time, you have this list of items and you're like, oh, hey, look, I found the red cane and then you look up red cane in his list and it's like all right with red cane i can now finish ice palace which i couldn't finish before because it's changed so yeah yeah you're exactly right anything that helps people who are already playing a lot of rando adapt to this faster Mm -hmm. is going to be invaluable to making this catch on Yeah, yeah exactly and i did see they do have a uh like a beta up on google drive um, yeah, of the vanilla version. I don't yeah. believe there's a rando version you can play yet, but you can play and beat the vanilla version, and I, I think that is just about finished. I could be wrong about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he said about two weeks ago or so that, you know, here it is, and you can play through it. You just have to patch your ROM, because I'm not providing the, he's not providing the ROM, nor of course. is anyone in random. We would never expect anyone to do something yeah. as um, sinister as that. But yeah, I don't know. It's cool. it's an interesting thing. So yeah. I wish him a lot of luck and uh, yeah. Same. Yeah, we'll be we'll be uh, staying tuned to this story and and, and we'll be rooting for you. Um, okay, we're we're at about thirty minutes here uh, and we have some place that we need to go, guys. Mm-hmm. Where do we have to go? We gotta take a little trip up the mountain, the dark one that is. To a little animal up there. That is called a axe. Oh, uh, uh, um, try next. Tur- turtle. Okay, let's go to turtle. <laughs> or turtle. Yeah, yeah, that, that sure. <laughs> okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> 
wow, we made it. Holy crap, that was hard. Oh, yeah, we're <laughs> we so good at this. We're really good at this. Wow, that's, we that's a world record time there. That's that's a great <laughs> split, guys. Okay, all right, Turtle Rock. What do you, what do you guys think about Turtle Rock? Yeah. Another nice palace. It's long, right? It's a pretty long one. I think it's not that bad, with the exception of the chain chomps. Uh, That's probably yeah. my least favorite part in there. There's a lot of annoying parts in there, but the chain chomps are my least favorite part. That's really the only problem I have with Turtle Rock. It is long, and it can be bad thanks to the Ice Rod, but it's not really Turtle Rock's fault that the Ice Rod exists. It's not Turtle Rock's fault, that's true. <laughs> it's Trinex's fault. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, well, the worst part is you can go through all of Turtle Rock and have the Ice Rod be in there. Because mm-hmm. it can be anywhere, except on Trinex. Yep. GT. Exactly. Yeah. So, speaking of that, I mean, there are a lot of items that are needed not only to get there, but to work your way through and then finally complete Turtle Rock. Just about the entire uh, roster of items shows up in one way or another, um, either as a full-stop required item or something that's just going to be very helpful um, to get there or get through Turtle Rock. So... Let's first talk about getting there. Obviously, this is a Dark World uh, dungeon. It is the final Crystal Dungeon in vanilla ALTTP, so Dark World access is required. Another thing required specifically is the hammer. So if you had, you know, hammer, Dark World access, that's great. But you also need to have the Titan's Mitts anyways to get up here in the first place. So you need to have Titan's Mitts and hammer and Moon Pearl to even begin to think about getting in here. Mm-hmm. So that's that's like the main basis. Um, if if we're talking about East Death, East Death Mountain access, which is what you'd have to have, um, then that means on top of what we already mentioned, you have to have either the mirror or the hookshot to be able to get over there in the first place. Uh, and then you don't need this to get there, but it's better if you have the hookshot as opposed to the mirror, because then you can also check out Hookshot Cave on your way, which is usually helpful. But um, really, it's the, the hammer and either hookshot or mirror and all that Dark World Access stuff that you have to have before you can go. Yep. Um, cool. Next up, we have our items needed uh, while you're in Turtle Rock. So on top of all of that stuff, you're also going to need one of the three medallions to get in. Um, in Vanilla Link to the Past, I think this one is Quake. Is that right? I think it is Quake. Yeah, yeah. it's Quake. Okay, but in a, a randomizer, as the same with Meyer that we dealt with, this could be any one of the three, and you're not going to know until you go check it out. So uh, a lot of people might think they're in go mode until they show up at the gates of Turtle Rock and realize they don't have the right medallion to finish, and they are not in go mode. So never forget that you're going to need one of those three medallions to get in, and it's going to be worth your time. If you're up on the mountain before the point where you actually need to do Turtle Rock, to take a quick look over at that screen and see what your medallion is uh, because knowledge is power, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of people, like in general, I would say people gamble when they have two out of the three medallions. If they haven't checked before, they'll just go there and hope that it works out. And if you only have one, you usually, you know, won't try to gamble it. You'll just go and see if you can find the other one or at least check out what it is and then go look for that specific one. Yeah, that's a good point. If you have some, I would still go up there and hope that you can get it and maybe check some things on the way, mm-hmm. as opposed to just like only looking around until you get up there, because that that would be a real tragedy if you were in go mode, but thought you might not be. Yeah, 
um, and uh, continuing items that you need to get through. The, right when you walk in, you're going to be asked to use your red cane. And don't think that you can just hover past this smart guy, because immediately in the next room, you're not going to be able to do anything if you don't have the red cane. Oh, well, I mean, I guess if you're really, really, really good at hovering. I don't think you can turn in midair when you hover like that, can you? No, you can. Oh, you can? Yeah, you have to be extremely good, but you can. Okay. Well, I've seen I mean, people I... uh, hover the torch room on the right side, lighting the torches while they're hovering. So. Holy crap. Yeah. I've never seen that. That, it's like uh, you're talking about uh, superheroes walking among us. Like, mm -hmm. there are people who can do things that are just impossible. And I'm like, nuh-uh, I haven't seen that. <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> uh, continuing on our items that you need. Yes, I am still going. Uh, you have to have a fire rod. Uh, you can come in without one, but there's only one chest you can, you can check. There's also a real small chance that you can completely finish this without the fire rod. But I'm just going to go ahead and say I don't think it's smart for you to walk in without it um, for reasons that we'll explain a little bit later. But I'm just going to go ahead and say Fire Rod's required to get through the dungeon. At the very least, you're going to need it to kill Trinex at the end. So you're not going to get out of here without being able to use it. Um, and then the Ice Rod, as we talked about before. This is, frustratingly enough, the only actual progression use of the Ice Rod that's in the game is using it to kill Trinex. So, it, for, for that reason, since it only has one purpose, it could, it could be anywhere before Turtle Rock. And a lot of times it's known as a pretty trolly item for a lot of people. And that is also the reason why people are usually happy when Turtle Rock is a pendant, especially when it's not the green pendant. It still doesn't completely eliminate the chance that Trinex will have an item that you'll need. You never know. It might even be on the pedestal if everything goes wrong. But there's a significantly higher chance that you're able to skip Trinex, which means you don't have to go hunt the Ice Rod, which could, as Axe was saying earlier, be literally anywhere in the game, except for on Trinex or in Ganon's Tower. Well, if it's a pendant, it could even be in Ganon's Tower, I guess, if it's super trolly. Yeah, oh yeah I mean, I guess yeah, if you're doing all dungeons and uh, you have all seven crystals, it could be anywhere in gt as well mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah not fun to think about but certainly possible and another one of the reasons why people are not usually super excited to go into, into a pendant turtle rock so um continuing our items yeah i'm still going <laughs> um you probably are going to want if you if you truly are looking for items i would consider the mirror to be pretty much required uh because it is going to help you check a location that is technically a light world location called mimic cave uh, mimic cave is outside of turtle rock and if you use your mirror on the ledge in the right place it's the only way you can gain access to it so because the only way you can get to it is through Turtle Rock, it's usually considered in the Turtle Rock item count. So instead of saying it has five items, you'd say it has six because you're including that. Um, the exception to this, of course, you know, multiple game modes offer multiple exceptions to a lot of these things we discuss. In Inverted, it's, it's a bit different. Um, there are ways you can get on there and go through Turtle Rock. And um, we're not going to get into those in this episode, at least. Uh, but otherwise, you know, Mirror to get Mimic Cave definitely recommend it on your way in here yeah and then finally these are not uh, needed but you're probably going to want to account for them one way or another uh, this is known as the magic dungeon in vanilla 
Uh, that's kind of the whole theme of it. So you're going to be using magic a lot, especially when you get to Trinex. Trinex requires a lot of magic to beat. So hopefully you found your half magic somewhere. And if not, you probably want to at least have a bottle of green or blue magic that you can chug in case of an emergency. Uh, now you can make your way through this with just regular non-half magic and no magic refills, but you're going to have to calculate pretty much every single move and get every single hidden refill that's in this dungeon. And you have to be flawless on Trinex in order to make that work without a death. So that's your warning. Probably want to think about your magic in one way or another, just like we had to with Ice Palace. Yeah, you definitely... Oh, and then, oh sorry, go ahead. Oh, and you might, you're probably going to need a couple bombs and technically the lamp, but yeah, it's the, minor. The lamp is... This is not a really hard dark room to get through. So. Yeah, I, I wanted to mention that for logic's sake alone, but mm -hmm. it really yeah. shouldn't stop you. Yeah. yeah so, I'm it, sorry, it, Herf, what were you going to say? Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say it's really a dungeon where you should be like cognizant of your magic and your magic use because there's a lot of places where it can just dead end you. Like if you don't, if you suddenly find yourself in a room without magic for your red cane and you can't make a Samaria platform, you're not going anywhere. You're maybe not even going back. Maybe you're mirroring out or at worst saving and quitting. Very true. And then Axe, what were you going to say? What I was going to say... Uh... I honestly forgot, so... I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's totally cool. Um, well, why don't you pick this up uh, so I can not talk as much, and tell us about times that we might want to consider going to Turtle Rock. Okay, so when should you go to TR? Um, well, the best time to go is when you are in go mode and you haven't touched anything yet, and you're going to go right from here over to Ganon's Tower and be very, very happy. Uh, that is kind of the, the dream scenario if you have to do TR. Uh, yeah, the idea is you only have to climb the mountain once if you do that, you know, yeah. if you're able to do that, right? Yeah, I mean, you could be really, really in dream mode where, you know, you are, you've are you saved Dark Death Mountain for last and, ETH, and you haven't checked out East Death Mountain either, and you go and you immediately get your go mode items and you just walk right over to TR and you only have climbed up once. I've had that happen to me only like once or twice while playing just because it's very unlikely that you'll never be checking that stuff out at other times. But uh, it could happen where you have like Turtle Rock into Hera into GT or Hera into Turtle Rock into GT. So that's the that's the ideal, but let's talk about a more realistic idea. Um, more realistically, when you go to TR, because of how many chests it has it's very likely there could be something locked behind it that you need. Usually your go mode item. I see the bow on uh, Laser Bridge. Like, I, it feels like it's more often than anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's one of those anecdotal, like, I, I hesitate to say that, you know, you should consider that just, like, on a regular basis, but, man, it does seem to happen a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've... I've also seen seeds that have, like, really unfortunate triple dips into TR, mm. where you've got an item in the compass room, like, let's say it's, like, the hookshot that you need to finish off Swamp Palace, and then Swamp Palace has the fire rod, and then you've got, like, the bow on, like, laser bridge that you need to go finish out Eastern to get the ice. Like, there's some crazy stuff that can happen. Um... And it's, 
it's kind of one of the reasons that TR is not that nice because while a lot of the dungeons we've talked about before, yeah, like a double dip or even a triple dip is annoying, but whatever, if it happens, it happens. Here, because you have to climb up all of Death Mountain to get there, you, you know, when you get into a double dip or triple dip situation, you just are completely deflated because it's likely not a required double or triple dip and you just messed up the routing somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. In general, it's a good like rule of thumb to say the less trips up Death Mountain you have to make, the better. Sometimes you can't avoid them, as you said. Sometimes there's just stuff, you know, spread out in such a way that you keep have, that you have to keep going up there all the time. But if you can keep the trips up there as lo- low as possible, it's it's a good time. Yeah, um, and the other th- important thing, especially for those who are not you know execution specialists. Um, make sure whenever you're going to do this that you can actually survive Trinex. If you're coming up here with like seven hearts and green mail and no potions uh, and no half magic, that you could get all the way through this and then you could just run into a wall on Trinex and bang your head against it. And that's probably, if you have other options, that's not a great idea. You, you probably, if you're thinking, okay, go to Ice Palace or Turtle Rock, or Misery Mire, you probably, in that case, actually, I would say want to go to Misery Mire and hope that you get half magic, or a bottle, or a mail upgrade, so that the other two are more survivable. Just because, again, and I think this is one of the things I've tended to hammer on, is one of the important things of Rando is knowing your own skill level. If you oh, yeah. know that you can't pull off, you know, try next without getting hit, mm-hmm. don't, don't put yourself in a situation that you have to do that. Yeah, you might lose a minute or two, but you're going to lose a lot less time than dying four times in order to try next. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, so I think we've covered you know when you would want to go to Turtle Rock, when you should make that move. Um, let's talk a little bit about what you stand to gain from it. Uh, so we have 12 item locations in Turtle Rock uh, for a total of five items. But if you include the Mimic Cave, that means 13 item locations for six items. So we have uh, two of our dungeon trash, the compass in the map, uh, big key, our five items that you stand to gain, uh, and then there are four small keys to round out the rest, and then of course our mimic cave item, which by the way that is guaranteed to be an item. Um, it's not you know mixed around with the turtle rock count. It's just a op- it's a overworld location check, so it's going to be an item. So keep that in mind too. Um, it is a little time consuming, so if you can avoid it, you probably would want to certainly if you're in go mode i wouldn't take the time to do it even if you are still kind of looking for equipment to help you with ganon i still wouldn't do it because it's very time consuming um so that is the item count Uh, oh another thing about mimic cave is if you are doing a good job of checking your hints um one of the things that can be quote unquote spoiled or tipped off with the hint tiles is what's in mimic cave uh, so a lot of times I find that, but you know, since Turtle Rock's usually one of the last things that you do, I've already found a hint that tells me that there's nothing in Mimic Cave, so I can safely mark it off my tracker. So mm-hmm. be on the lookout for that too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, Herf, do you want to start us off with this walkthrough? Yeah, for sure. So uh, finally, we're gonna make it in. We hammered down the packs. We stepped into the portal. We pulled out the right medallion, raised our sword, and. A bunch of magic stuff happened, and then we jumped off the back of the turtle, and we walked in. 
And nice. once once we once we walk in, we see a hint tile to the left. But as you just said, usually Turtle Rock is so late into the game, usually, that it might not even be worth checking it. It uh, really depends. I feel like, especially in Go mode, you don't need to check any hints normally. I feel like yeah. in Go mode, the best you can hope for is a boots hint if you're afraid of the the big key in Ganon's tower being on the torch. But other than mm -hmm. that, you you probably don't really gain anything from it. I would agree. Yeah, in Go mode, I I, I think ignoring hints is probably the way to go. Mm -hmm. In fact, if you've got everything except for one item, I know I just said that hints can tell you what Mimic Cave is. I, I guess for that reason, I probably would check if I had one item left because this one's really close to the entrance. Yeah. You need to check. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. The the one time I do check this is let's say I've done a very early. Uh, Hera, like within the first 20 or 30 minutes, and it just so happens that I'm able to get over into Dark Death Mountain and get, actually get up and open up TR. Mm -hmm. At that point, I will check the the hint because if it's like, okay, well, I've got the hand, I've somehow already have Titan's Mitts and the hammer and a medallion and Master Sword, I might as well open it up while I'm up here doing some other check. Maybe I'm checking out just dark death mountain in general or east death mountain whatever then then i think it might be worth it because you could get a good hint from that but if you're walking in here to actually fully, you know fully complete the dungeon it's probably not worth it you're right mm -hmm. yeah so um we check the hint or we don't check the hint depending on what we want to do and we find two skulls in our way we pick those up uh, the left one has a full magic refill, and the right one has a bomb. If you should need one, usually you come in here with uh, quite an you know assortment of bombs. But if you need one, there's one for you to grab. Uh, and then we get to our first use of, the, uh, use of the cane of Samaria. In here, we're gonna make a platform on the little question mark that's floating in the air, and we're just gonna ride that across. Um, I want to warn everyone, especially of a later room, don't, you know, get bored on those platforms and start charging up spins and spinning. <laughs> because if you manage to spin on a screen transition or on a transition of a super tile, uh, you know, not good stuff happens. Like what? Well, for example, you're going uh, on the, your straight driving platform to Trinex and you're happy that you're finally going to be done with this dungeon and you spin in celebration a couple of times and the screen scrolls up and suddenly the platform is gone and Link spawns up in the air and falls down and loses a heart and then he spawns in the air again and falls down and loses another heart. And then after a while a fairy revives you and then <laughs> you do that again and then you die. I've never seen that before. I also have not seen that, but it sounds, I would say funny, but it probably wouldn't be funny if it happened to you. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's no good. It's it's not very fun. So but, your advice, so watch the spin slashes on the red platform. Yeah, please. Okay. Like slash, if you're on a slash, you can slash, but don't spin. Just don't okay. spin. Okay, anyways, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> I never heard that. Thank you for the warning. Yeah, sure. Uh so we walk through the only door up north and come into the first big room. This is kind of like the first main room of Turtle Rock, I would say. Um, and uh, it has a bunch of those Somaria rails, I want to call them, that go around the room. The first thing you want to do is make a platform, go to the left, and then walk down. And you'll end up in the room with the vanilla compass chest. And uh, there's a bunch of spikes around, and you can just dash down. There's also two fire shooters, but they're not too important. Uh, you grab whatever's in there, 
usually it's a small key or it can be a small key but it might just be something else sometimes it's an item and in yeah. some cases it's a progression item I it's mean, true lucky, yeah it, it depends obviously but uh this might or this could also be the only chest that you can check in here if you don't get a small key out of this chest and you don't have the fire rod that's your turtle rock visit for now uh, so uh, we assume of course that we do have the fire rod so after you grab this you walk back out uh, on your way back out you need to be a little bit careful because there's an eye above the door that will shoot lasers straight down if you look at it so what you need to do is turn around and charge up your swordsman unlike what I told you before in the Samaria platform <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and it's a totally um, different situation it's uh -huh. totally fine uh, make sure you uh, keep it charged so you're looking downwards while you're walking backwards into the door out of the room. Uh, it's not very hard, but there's a little challenge that I personally do, which is I try to see if I can get out of the room and into the transition before the spin charges up completely. Because yeah. if you do that, uh, you don't lose time on releasing the spin, which saves, you know, like a second maybe, but it's a fun little thing to do. Yeah. You should do everything you can to go fast, and that's a perfect example. Uh, I watched a, a few videos uh, before we started to try to get an idea of this timing. It looks like you pretty much have to release right before you actually get through the barrier of the door. So you'll actually release the spin slash and start mm -hmm. walking normal when yeah. you're still in the room with the uh, compass chest in it. Yeah, basically you need to get like into the laser, which looks like it should hit you, but just like the fire bars in Misery Mire, for example... Uh, they only the tip of them hits you, so you can walk into the sprite already, and then be. You have to be really quick. I I don't usually get it, unfortunately, but oh well. It's a good challenge, though. It takes it, no time to try. That's that's the kind of stuff you should do every time, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right. So um, you walk back out into this room, back into the main room, you make another Samaria platform, and then we want to eventually or ultimately end up in the upper right corner of the room and walk out to the east. So there's a couple of different ways you can get there over the Samaria platform. Usually people just go all the way to the right and then just follow the track and go over the couple of stops that are there. And uh, then you walk over to the right room into the fire rod room. Yep. So, uh, fun so, room here. Yeah, go ahead, Axe. So, again, I'm going to assume that you've hopefully got the hook shot and tell you about the super cool, fast speedrunner strat, which is you put down the block and you have it go up and to the left. And uh, as you're going around, uh, you can, as you get to the sort of vertical line for the torches. Uh, you know, throw a, uh, a fire rod shot out, hit two of those torches, keep running around, you know, going around on the path, uh, hit the torch to your right, and then hit the other torch to your right. And then this is the sneaky, clever part. With the hook shot, you can hook shot into one of the torches, and that will make you fall off the platform and taking you back to the entrance, and then you can walk through. Now, if you are really, really good, you can quick draw your, cook, your hook shot and do that on the I guess uh, torch that you are have just lit I'm not good enough at doing that so I usually wait a second but uh, let's say you don't have the hook shot uh, uh, this is the annoying way to do it <laughs> yeah it, so you go south instead 
and you go all the way around and you do this vanilla way. Uh, one key thing to remember if you do it for the, the vanilla way is don't light the torches the first time you see them. Because if you do, they will not stay lit by the time you get done. You want to basically hold off on lighting them until the last possible second. Yeah. Yeah, so you do the southeast one and then the northeast one and then both the ones on the western side or the left side at the same time as your last two. And then that's you're, you're back at the platform. And I just want to say, be very careful about the direction that you're holding when you finally make it where you're supposed to go. Because <laughs> if you're holding accidentally up or down instead of left, like if your thumbs rolled up or down a little bit on your control pad or whatever, you will take another trip around and it is not fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, I think the biggest danger in this room for any Randall player that's not completely a newer player is... Coming into this room without the hookshot, but being super used to having the hookshot in this room. Yeah. And then just going, oh, yeah. you know, you see them go the the wrong, unquote, unquote, wrong way first. And then they're like, oh, crap. They light all the torches and they're like, oh, damn, how do I get out of this? Yeah. Oh, I can't. Oh, great. Uh, there, was, there was one run in particular where I spent probably, no joke, like three to four minutes in this room. It was mm -hmm. humiliating and infuriating. And never again. Yeah. <laughs> It's just when you're so used to it, what, what are you going to do? Happens to yeah. everyone. Exactly. So, All right, but either way, uh, however you need to get across it, finish that, come back up. The reason we lit those four torches is so that the northern door would open. So once that opens, go ahead and head through there. This is going to take you to a double spike roller room, and there's actually a couple, there's, there's several ways you can get through this, actually. Um, the vanilla intended way is uh, the spikes roll back and forth and there are safe areas to the left and right where you can kind of jump out of the way and uh, jump back in once the roller has passed by you. Um, so that obviously takes, you know, a little longer than some of these strats we're going to explain. One that's very popular is if you have the blue cane, go ahead and get that out. Nudge yourself a little bit over to the right and do an item dash, uh, courtesy of Japanese 1.0 or 1.1 or whatever this version is. You will actually be able to completely avoid all damage and make it to the very end of this room, at, to where you'll see your two chests that you need to uh, that you need to collect. So that one's popular. Another popular one, especially since you were just probably holding the hookshot, if you have that, is to utilize the iframes of the hookshot. Um, first, you walk as close to the first roller as you can and either turn left or down. I think either one works. And use your hookshot. And if you time it just right, you'll be using your hookshot as the roller goes over you. You'll take no damage and you'll be able to continue walking up. And then with the second roller, you do the same thing right before it hits you. I think you turn right and, and you should be safe. That could be another one where there's multiple directions you can do it. Uh, but you will utilize the iframes there as well. And then you'll be able to go straight up to the top and collect these two chests, which are known uh, appropriately as roller room left and roller room right. Yep. Um, any other strats to, to get through this room or things to consider that you guys keep in mind? Um, I mean, one thing I tend to do is when I'm using try to choose the hookshot iframes, I always mistime it. And I, I will have it go not where it's supposed to, and I end up taking the damage anyway. Mm -hmm. And one thing, and this is something I need to kind of remind myself, is if I'm walking in here with, like, 12 or 13 hearts, it's okay to take, like, 
a little bit of damage to get through this. Yeah. It's, it's not yeah, the end of the world. Yeah, the rollers really aren't too bad damage-wise, so it really doesn't matter too much by the time you get in here, usually. It's not even particularly time-consuming to get hit. Honestly, you just keep on going on, you know? I mean, there's an argument to be made that it teaches you to get into bad habits for if you sure. ever play something else. Like, if you play one-hit KO mode, you probably wish you knew how to perfectly dodge this with your hookshot or something, you know? But, um, I don't know, if you really need to consider that, that's a personal decision everyone needs to make, I think. Yeah. So, after you collect these two chests, you're going to make your way back the way you came. Um, real quick, in that torch room that we were in before, the bottommost skull has a full magic refill. So, definitely recommend picking that up if you're low, especially if you don't have half magic. Um, so, go ahead and grab that. There's also a heart in the one before it, which could be helpful. Um, grab that, head back into that main lobby room with the giant pit in the middle. Uh, go ahead and use the Canis Samari to create another platform. Watch out for all the enemies, and you're going to head to the second door, the second ledge on the north. So it's on the northwest side, but on the northern wall itself. There's a Stalfos there on that ledge. Um, probably just want to ignore him, uh, and then head through the locked door there. You will definitely have a key by this point. Um, so just head through there and uh, that will let me to... yeah, let me stop ahead. you right there. Sorry. I have a question sure. that I want to post to you both. Um, we just finished out the roller room, got the two chests in there. Uh, do you walk back the way you just explained to get to that locked key door that we just opened? Or do you mirror out and start from the beginning and go to that locked key door? Uh, that is a good question. Depends on your magic situation. You get a full magic roof of both times. But you need to maybe use magic to avoid the rollers. So if your health is really low and mm -hmm. your magic is low, then I would probably mirror out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If if I had enough magic to avoid the rollers, I would use the magic for that and then get the full magic refill. Mm -hmm. Continue on my merry way. Okay. Yeah. I, I usually don't consider mirroring out. Maybe I should because I'm kind of looking at the map now and doing it and, you know, thinking in my head and... I think it actually ends up being, if assuming you don't, I think it ends up being slightly faster to mirror out. I personally think it is a little bit slower because you open up those two chests and no matter how you got through that uh, roller room, you have to m uh, menu to the mirror, then you have to watch the whole mirror transition thing, then you have to create a Samaria platform which takes a second. Uh, travel all the way back, watch another screen transition, and then travel much longer with your Samaria platform hmm. in that room. So I think it's slightly, not a lot probably, but it's definitely slower to mirror out, considering yeah. all that. I, I didn't consider the uh, the mirror animation or the fact that that second Samaria block you're making does take a good little bit of time. Yeah, hmm. yeah. I guess switch, switching to it also, but yeah, you have to the switch menu. to it anyway. Hmm. You know, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's maybe worth a little bit of experimentation. I, I always, I'm just going off what I see, and I mm -hmm. don't usually see people mirror and you know runners that are more skilled than I am for sure. So, I, I think a lot of us start our routing by mimicking what we see most of, and then kind of modifying it to what works best for us. Yeah. I usually see people walk back. And, and I ask that because I started out, when I started playing Randomizer, I started out mirroring back. And it seemed like the logical choice because I'm right next to a full magic refill. It's, you know, right there. Anyway, I need to get back to that main room anyway, and I don't have to deal with those rollers again on my way out. 
but I changed it. I don't even know when or why, but I changed it to walking back out if I can. And I was wondering what you guys were doing. Yeah, I I, I think I, th- those are my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, cool. All right. So uh, let's head through that uh, final locked door in the main lobby. That's going to take us to a hallway with a single pokey and some slimes that come out of the ground. Uh, if you have the fire rod, definitely kill this thing with the fire rod. It is not only the fastest, but the least annoying way to take care of it. Um, otherwise, every time that you slash with your sword or hit with your hammer or whatever, you're just killing one of the parts of the body, and then it loses that. It bounces around the room. That could hit you. And then the actual enemy itself gets faster and faster, and it's DVD uh, waiting animation logo bouncing around kind of thing that it's doing around the room. <laughs> So uh, definitely <laughs> light it on, kill it with fire if you can. If not, either way you have to kill it because you need to collect its key and then walk through the door here. Uh, yeah, the easiest way is definitely the fire rod. What's another good way is uh, master sword or better, definitely tempered sword or better. Uh, if you charge up a spin slash, and usually the pokey is to the left or the right of the door at the top, uh, walk so that the pokey is between you and the wall and kind of diagonal to you a little bit and uh, release your spin and you'll double hit the thing that bounces off of the pokey into the wall and the pokey itself and usually either instantly kill it or at least instantly kill the little bouncy thing mm-hmm. yeah yep so make make short work of this guy and then you're gonna head into that dreaded chain chomp room Ugh. Yay! <laughs> All right. So the, here's the thing about these chain chomps. This is the only room that they appear in in the whole game. Mm-hmm. This is the only time that you even see these guys. It's really weird because it's a totally a Mario crossover. I mean, there are other Zelda games that have chain chomps in them, but this was the first one, I believe. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of weird that they're even here in the first place, and it's not even like we can just kind of gloss over them and be like, "Oh, what a weird little footnote," because these guys are right in the middle of the room and they do massive damage. They will ruin your whole day if you're not careful, and it's it's even more frustrating because they're very RNG dependent, except for the time when they lunge straight at Link. So they're they're very difficult to deal with. Um, there is an item that we need to pick up in this room as well. So um, and a lot of times it's going to be a key that you need to have. So yeah, this is uh, definitely a room that gets a lot of a lot of uh, coverage in the community. Um, here's what I like to do to get through, uh, and it's, it's pretty straightforward. I will usually use the red cane here because it, it works pretty quickly. Um, and, 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 you know, you definitely have it because you had to have it get, to get to this point. So I'll get out the red cane, uh, move immediately to the left and go to where if I fire off a double shot with the cane, the northern, uh, projectile will hit the crystal that will open it up so that I can now push the block uh, that is that was covered up by the pegs to the right. At this point, I'm going to run for cover and go to the south of the room as quickly as possible because around this point, if I've timed it correctly, the chain chomp is going to be lunging for the first time. And it is on a chain, but it is close enough to hit Link if he stands right where you pushed that block just now. So when you push that block, you created a treasure chest. That's the chain chomp chest. Uh, pretty aptly named. Uh, once you, uh, once the chain chomp finishes lunging, uh, it kind of freezes for a second. So you're going to make a, uh, uh, you know, juke around it basically. Go pick up whatever's in that chest and then head out of the room. So that tends to work pretty well. I have seen some other strats that are kind of creative that make it go even a little faster than that. 
Um, what do you guys do to handle this notoriously difficult room? Well, Pray. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. I try to, you know, do the whole Cane of Samaria thing and uh, stand on the blue crystal switch blocks when they go up so the iframes kind of keep me from getting hit by the chain chomp and stuff like that, but usually it goes horribly wrong. Yeah, I mean, one, one really crazy strat you could do, if you somehow have walked in here with full magic, uh, or not full magic, sorry, full health, you can throw on the cape and then just use sword beams. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think I've ever done that, but I know it's all I've. I, you could, and it's in the back of my head as something that's doable. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you, this chain chops, man. They just uh, sometimes they're out for you, and uh, they hit like a truck. And uh, you can dodge them as best you can, but sometimes you just get unlucky. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I just want to quickly say they do four hearts of damage if you're in green mail and three if you're in blue, and they still do two, uh, two hearts of damage to you if you're in red mail, so... Yeah, four hearts fun. is a lot, and so is three. I mean, that's the kind of damage that will kill you without your uh, health chime even going off, mm -hmm. you know? Like, you just didn't even see it coming if you're not careful. It's Yeah, it's especially, like, if you happen to be in here with a green tunic, even if you have, like, 10 or 12 hearts, you'll you'll not even notice it, and suddenly you're dead. It's so, it's, like, crazy. Mm -hmm. Cool. So, do your best with this room. As, as with any room, I mean, you know, listening to us talk about it, hopefully, is helpful to a certain degree. But if you're really serious about, you know, improving your own strats on this room, definitely go to YouTube and watch some of the pros uh, handle it, because that's always going to be the best way to, you know, get better, is to, you know, watch oh, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. absolutely cool okay and also by the way if you were one of those crazy people who tried to completely skip that uh eastern room and you got a key in the compass chest and you need this to be a key in order to continue on with the rest of the dungeon and you might even get locked later on too so um you know godspeed to you if that describes you if not <laughs> i'm gonna assume you know you, you've got the keys and, and everything's going fine so we'll head down uh these stairs here and we're now in the first basement Mm-hmm. Yep. That we uh, are. <laughs> yeah, okay. So should I just keep rocking or what? Uh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll hit. Yeah, okay, you go, go ahead. ahead. So, all right. So you walk down, and now you're in the first basement where there are pipes because, again, the Mario crossover in the Turtle Rock dungeon is at a very high level. Sure uh, but one of the important <laughs> things to know in this first room is if you've got some magic powder and those chain chomps knock you around a bit, now is the time to use it because there's two anti-fairies floating around here and you can powder them and get back to a safe level of health. Um, now to get out of this room, you're just going to go over to the right and then go down and then up the stairs into that pipe. It'll take you around the room in sort of a, a big old circle and you'll come out in the upper left corner. Uh, now you're in the lava room with the pipes and this is where uh, it's time to make a decision. So, if you are in go mode, and you have already gotten the big key, you do not need to do this, this sequence that's coming up. You can go into the upper, I guess the pipe on the left, that will take you to uh, kind of the rest of the dungeon. Otherwise, you uh, are going, well, I guess you still might need to do it if you need to get a small key, but mm -hmm. you could be, be gambly. Mm -hmm. Um... Otherwise, what you'll do is you'll take the right pipe through, and it'll take you 
over the lava into the door on the upper left. But uh, I want to talk. I want to ask you guys a little bit. What do you think about skipping the uh, the big key chest here? Uh, basically, the way that I've kind of figured it out is I, I will pretty much. It's rare that you're going to be in go mode and have the big key and have a small key and be able to just completely skip that bottom pipe. So usually mm. you you do go into the bottom pipe. So I'm typically programmed to do that. After you go through the bottom pipe, uh, once you kill the pokey that's coming up in here and get its key, if you have two keys at that point, you need to open this door and go check the big key chest. If you only if you have zero keys and collecting that gives you your first key, you do not need to get that because otherwise you're just going to be using a small key to get a small key. Yeah, I'm I'm usually conditioned i'm a little more gambly i don't want to say i always do it but i usually judge this chest by its vanilla content so if i have the big key already i will try to skip it mm. uh, but if i don't have the big key i'll definitely check it because there's no worse feeling than having the big key in its vanilla location in here mm-hmm. yeah Which i feel it like it can happen yeah and and in particular this is one that you really don't want to have to come back for because of how painful and time consuming it is there's the big chest itself you could skip or you could skip stuff on laser bridge and that doesn't feel as well i guess you can't skip laser bridge to look for the big key but um if you're looking for items i guess it doesn't feel as bad uh to to go back and do those because there's kind of checkpoints there this one you have to really take a long walk back and it's a pain so i kind of am am with herf is I will check this chest unless I already have the big key, in which case uh, it will depend on whether I'm in go mode or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but there are only so many chests that can even have the big key. A big key can't be on laser bridge uh, because you have to use the big key to get there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So So... really the only places the big key could be are this particular chest, the big chest, and the ones that we've already opened. Right. So So you'll know. I mean, if you don't have the big key, then and you have two small keys when you get here, or uh, even if you have one small key when you get here, then that's, you. yeah, you do need to check it. Any other situation, I'd say you can safely skip. Yeah, pretty much. That's, yeah, yeah and if I'm wrong, somebody, somebody, you yeah. know, definitely let me know. But yeah, I think I, you're that's right. what I'm doing. I generally uh, yeah. don't even care about my small key situation if I'm not, like, forgetting something super important or am just unreasonably lucky. But yeah, I generally I, just care about my big key situation. I'm not, other than this chest, I'm not very big on skipping chests in Turtle Rock because of how risky yeah. it is. For mm-hmm. example, I never ever check the uh, skip the big chest just I because it's it's right there. Like there's yeah, no well. reason to check to not it, check it, and it has so often been a small key. And it gives you, you a need. nice checkpoint in case you screw up later and die. Exactly. Um, I know, I think it was, somebody was telling me the odds of the small key that you need being in, like, basically a situation where you, if you skip the big chest, you're in big trouble, Mm -hmm. and you've skipped the uh, chest on, uh, in the middle here of the lava, and the probability is really low, it's like 2 or 3%, but the problem is that, you know, it's... (laughs) Even though it's it doesn't feel like that that's that serious, you have to think conditionally. And if you're in a situation where 
it's debatable whether you should skip it or not, you're probably not in the situation where the conditional probability is actually 2%. It's probably way higher. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm I'm more of I'm less of a gambling player. I try to play it safe. And I would rather take the twenty to thirty second time hit to check this and to check the big chest coming up in a minute than to skip them and lose three or four minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would I would definitely agree with that. So let's say regardless of, you know, whether you chose to check that or not, um, you eventually do want to make your way back to that northeastern platform that has the two, you know, the hot top pipe and the bottom pipe. Uh, And once you've kind of, you know, done everything you needed to do in the bottom pipe, you are going to take the top pipe, uh, which will eventually dump you out into the uh, southwest of this room. You'll head through that door. And you're going to be faced with two pokies that, uh, again, if you have the fire rod, you should just use that immediately. Kill them each in one shot. Um, otherwise, you're in for a pretty pretty long fight. If you're here without the fire rod, you're a crazy MFer anyways. So you don't need my <laughs> advice to tell you what to do. If you have the fire rod, though, definitely use that. Um, now, at this point, this is kind of what we were talking about with skipping the big chest. It also stands to, it's worth mentioning that there's potential to skip Mimic Cave this way, too. Um, you can head to the east and just go through that door, and then that takes you over to where you can go through the big key. You can go, th- you can go through that door, right? Or you can go through the door on the in that room with the two pokies if you kill them. Yeah. Okay, it's not just openable from the other side, right? No, no, you can go through it if you want to skip like everything outside, so mimic cave and the big chest. Okay, all right, just want to make sure, because I, like, never do that. But mm-hmm. So you can do that. You will skip the big chest and the Mimic Cave uh, check. Um, again, depends on your whole situation and the kind of risks you want to take. Of course, in these walkthroughs, we always assume a full clear. So uh, instead of going east, you're going to head south, which will take you to a fork in the road. Do not go east. There's nothing you can do there. Instead, you're going to go west, and you're uh, dealing with a room that has a bunch of eye lasers and a bombable wall on the south. Uh, you can go plant that bomb and quickly get out of the way. Or if you're a real daredevil, you can plant that bomb at the entrance and then go throw it where it needs to be thrown. Of course, that's faster, but you're more likely to get hit by a laser. Either way, once you finish that, you're going to head outside. Now we are outside in Dark Death Mountain again. Um, I'm going to try to go a little fast through this so that the episode's not too terribly long, but I do still want to get everything, so excuse my super fast speaking that I do sometimes. Um, Once you get out here, uh, when you get to the end of this platform, um, you can use your mirror uh, to head to Mimic Cave and go in and grab that. Uh, If you're doing a full, you know, if you're not in go mode, I definitely recommend that. If not, you can skip it, but um, I usually use the mirror uh, kind of all the way on the far right of this so that it's not immediately in front of the door, which can be problematic sometimes. Mm. Um, So you mirror to this tiny ledge, which again, the only way you can get here is right here through Turtle Rock and then head into Mimic Cave. When do you guys want to tell us about the joys of Mimic Cave? Sure, I can take that one. It's uh, it's always a beauty. So you walk in here, and there's, as the name suggests, a bunch of a bunch of mimics in here. Uh, there's, I think, two on the right side behind a couple of rails and blocks that can't reach you in theory, and there's uh, two more up at the top that are behind a couple of hammer pegs. Um, you can manipulate them pretty easily if you hold onto the railing on the right side. Uh, if you hold on and press A to hold on while not touching your D-pad, and then you touch your D-pad while you're holding on, they'll uh, let you control the mimics. You just guide them to, towards you. 
Uh, usually I hammer them in the face because you need the hammer anyway. Then you walk up north, hammer down the pegs, hammer the other mimics in the face, and the door to the north opens up. You walk in there and grab your chest, and hopefully it's the item that you're looking for, or one of the items you're looking for. Usually, I, it's not. I, yeah, I hope it's what you needed. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but So once you check this, you can cross that off your list, and then you're going to head out, head back into your portal. So we're back in the dark world, and then back into Turtle Rock. Now, a nice little side effect of this, and another reason to maybe not skip this route, um, you know, and just go east from that double pokey room, is you now, since you've left the dungeon and come back, this now counts as your spawn point in the dungeon. So if something goes terribly wrong from this point out, and you die, this is where you'll spawn instead of the beginning of the dungeon. So you just got a little bit of a checkpoint. Definitely worth considering, especially for newer players, or, you know, if you have low health. So head back into Turtle Rock. You're going to be directly facing the big key chest. Um, As you can see, you can either use your red cane to get across. I would recommend the hookshot if you have it, because then you won't use any magic, and it's honestly faster. So head across. Um, If you're already here, you might as well open it, even if you think you don't need to. Just check what's in there. It's only going to take half a second. Uh, And then head in the door past that and into the tube. It's going to shoot you all the way up to the northwestern part of the room. You'll head into the cave entrance there, and you're going to have to... You'll see a pokey. You actually don't have to kill this one. I know that I've killed this one just kind of out of habit before, thinking that I needed to do that to open a door. Mm-hmm. After you kill this pokey, nothing happens except the pokey's <laughs> dead. Uh, so the actual way to get out of here is to either dash uh, towards or bomb the top uh, the crack that's in the wall, and that will allow you to make it out of this room. Uh, the next room is a fun one. It's called the Crystal Roller Room. And I gotta be honest, there are a lot of ways to clear this room. I, any runner that you watch, you could watch five different runners and see five different really cool and fast ways to clear this room. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what are you, some of your guys' favorite ways to get through this little puzzler of a room and collect the item here? Well, as one of the few people who seems to like the boomerang. This is a great spot to use the boomerang. <laughs> it is a great boomerang room. Yeah, it is. this is one of the few rooms where I use the boomerang if I have it and don't have anything else that I'd rather do. I try to be fancy with the cane sometimes, but it, again, usually doesn't work out the way I think it will. And uh, you can also... I really... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, if you are too fancy with the cane too, you could lock yourself in the... Uh... Mm-hmm. The, the spot with the chest don't, yeah. don't do that <laughs> i was i was doing research as i was writing this and uh i actually found a video of someone doing that uh that i'm absolutely gonna put in the description just because it was really funny <laughs> was it me because i've done that no it was evil ash 25 oh. I've, I've seen them around i've definitely seen that name in tournaments yeah but they, they uploaded this to youtube just to kind of you know, uh, just because it's funny. <laughs> Basically, they were like, I was trying to be cute, and this happened. Check Shout it out, out so, to Evil Ash. Yeah, so I will uh, link that in the description. Don't let that be you. Uh, but he was trying to do uh, kind of a fancier strat with the red cane in which you can use the iframes from the pegs coming up to avoid the roller, but also only have to shoot a limited number of shots in order to both switch on and off the, the uh, chest. Um, kind of complicated, and it didn't. It kind of backfired on him, so... Um, but yeah, there are a lot of ways through and same thing I said about the chain chomp room. This is another one of those where you should just, you know, check out if you're serious about improving your times on, on individual rooms like this, then definitely just go watch some people and get an idea of kind of what they do here. But 
Either way, you will want to collect the chest that appears, uh, or the chest that's on the uh, uh, western side of the room. That is the crystal roller chest, so be sure to grab that and then make your way out of here. Yep, yep, yep. Down another set of stairs, I believe, right? That's right, yeah, we're getting even further down. So down. this is taking us to our dark room. This is uh -huh. technically, um, you know, a lamp-locked uh, boss here, Trinex is. Um, yep. But of course, you know, as we know, we can go through any dark room, and this one is actually not not that hard, and it's literally on rails, you know. So I think, yeah, I think this might be my favorite dark room in the whole game, just because it looks fancy, but it really isn't hard at all. Yeah, you just need to know, like, kind of have the the memory. You know, we were talking earlier about blindfolded stuff, with because uh, speed runs where it works because there's not really any movement. This mm -hmm. is a dark room where there really isn't any movement, so mm -hmm. you just have to know what order to press the buttons. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and the fire bars, uh, there's several fire bars, which can make your life a little harder because obviously they're going to, you know, you're going to take damage if you go past them and there's no way, no way to avoid them sometimes. Um, but they can make this room a little easier too because they're visible, um, unlike pretty much anything else in the room, uh, except for the platform that Link is on. So using those two things, you can get a pretty good idea of where you are and which way you need to go, as long as you've played this without being dark a few times, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, we won't go too much into detail about exactly how to make this work uh, in the dark or, you know, the path to take again. I think that's something you should just watch some people do and figure out on your own. Uh, yeah, but I very will very. say there is a ledge where you can grab a full magic refill, and I would recommend doing that especially if you're about to contend with Laser Bridge. Yep, if you want to stop, there's a latch on the far right side where a full magic refill and I think two hearts are there, so a little bit of a refill if you get too damaged by the fire bars. Mm -hmm. And uh, then moving on to the south, when you end up to the southwest of that, you end up on a small narrow bridge that is flanked by a bunch of eyes that shoot lasers at you. Uh, usually I'd say at this point in the seed you will definitely want to dash through this assuming you have the boots. If you don't have the boots, uh, another good way is shooting a silver arrow in front of you. It will lag the game horribly. Like it, This will be the laggiest place you've ever seen in the whole game. Especially oh, yeah. once the eyes start, start shooting. But it'll kill the mini Helmosaur that's in your way. Or you can place a Samaria block and just kind of, you know, move him or push him out of the way. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it kind of depends on what you're doing then. If you're in go mode or you're not looking for anything and you have a small key, you can thankfully skip out on the horrible laser bridge. But uh, of course we're going to assume that we need to check out our dear old laser bridge down here. That's right. Now, there's another nice thing about this laser bridge area too that we're going to briefly explain. So. Uh, before we get into, okay, so this is a room that has four item locations, and there's probably an item, and there might even be progression here if you've made it this far and you're still not in go mode. So uh, the only problem is these four chests are all protected by these laser eye things that we've seen throughout the dungeon. Now in vanilla ALTTP, you get the riot or the mirror shield, which is sometimes called the riot shield, in this dungeon as its main item, and that blocks these lasers, so you can safely go check all these chests. In rando, it's pretty unlikely you found all three shields at this point. Although, um, from a logic standpoint, the game, the randomizer game, will assume that you either have found that or magic cape or blue cane, because you can use any of those three to avoid these lasers to get through and check all four of these chests. 
Now, it is also possible to check without those if you happen to be a really, really good player who has learned the timing and exact movements to avoid these lasers and just kind of scoot by them. Um, it's a very, very tight timing. It's another one of those things you probably need to watch somebody do and practice quite a bit to get an eye for. But uh, it can really give you an edge if you know how to do that. Because sometimes you'll find yourself here without any invincibility items or riot shield. And you're going to need what's in those chests. And without just dying a bunch, the best way to check is to be able to just sneak by these lasers. Now, there is some good news, which is that... Uh, at the bottom of this room, I'm not even sure why this is necessarily, but there is a place where you can bomb the wall and actually leave the dungeon. So by leaving the dungeon, it takes you out to this tiny little ledge where you can't do anything. If you just turn right back around, you're back in the dungeon. But remember from before, any time that you enter a dungeon, that's now your warp point. So this is only a few rooms away from Trinex, and obviously it's the same room as this super dangerous laser bridge. So having this be your new respawn point can be absolutely invaluable to helping you get all these items and take out Trinex on a second try if possible, um, if needed, um, you know, without having to redo the entire dungeon like you normally would if you died on a boss like Cold Stair, for instance. Yeah, that respawn point is really, really valuable, especially yeah, I, if you're a newer player. I like it because I screw up on Laser Bridge all the time, so I will take it as a <laughs> mm -hmm. Laser Bridge safety mm -hmm. uh, because I just... I will try to do the fancy movement tech to, you know, avoid the lasers, and I'm still working on getting that down, and a lot of times I end up taking a laser to the face, and then a, uh, you know, crystal dude to the face, and then fall, and all of a sudden that's, you know, what, eight hearts right there? Yeah. That's brutal. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now, there's another really cool trick that is, I would, I would say, is sort of advanced in trying to find the right application for it. But especially for higher level players, it's something that can really, really come in handy. And it involves this outside ledge here. Herf, we were talking about it a little bit before recording. Can you kind of explain this, this strat and what's, what's involved in, in utilizing it here? Yeah, sure. So essentially what you can do is, uh, let's say you went into Turtle Rock looking for the Ice Rod because you need to kill Trinex as your last crystal or something, and you've made it all the way to Laser Bridge, but you didn't find anything. So you can't kill uh, Trinex, but you want to get back in there, and you don't want to have to go through the whole dungeon again. So what you can do is you go out of Laser Bridge, of that little exit there, onto the ledge, and mirror back to the light world there. You'll end up on a similar ledge that is not accessible uh, unless you jump down from the top. And then you can leave your portal there. Uh, but what that entails is you're not allowed to save and quit or obviously turn off your console because that will reset your portal. And you're obviously not allowed to uh, make another portal anywhere. You can go to the dark world, that's not a problem. You just can't come back from the dark world especially or you can't come back from the dark world with your mirror mm -hmm. so to uh to make up for that you basically have to kill yourself in the overworld of the dark world which will then assuming you have not killed aga one uh give you the respawn menu that you would get if you saved and quit so you can choose to start in link's house or on the mountain or wherever you need to go and you can theoretically do whatever you want for as long as you want, as long as you don't save and quit or use your mirror somewhere else. You can even use your mirror in a dungeon. 
So, and, and what that does is it maintains that portal that you first created. And so once you do finally find that ice rod or whatever you, you know, were looking mm-hmm. for in that situation, instead of having to do all of Turtle Rock again, you can just go to, you know, kill yourself so that you have the ability to start anywhere in Light World, go to Mountain, go up to the top where Spectacle Rock is, or, or sorry, you go over to East Death Mountain, there's a place you can fall down from there. And that takes you back to your portal. So you can take the portal. Now you're in Dark World. Go through the portal and you're back in that Turtle Rock spot. So that is mm-hmm. a huge, huge uh, benefit to being able to cut out having to do what would essentially have been a very long double or triple dip through Turtle Rock. And instead, basically just warp right back to where you where you left off in your search. Yeah, definitely. It can save you a ton of time. It's really, you know, there's very specific usages or very specific times where it actually is a benefit to you. But if you can identify those times and then make use of it, it can save you a whole trip through all of those slow Samaria platforms and, you know, going through all of that again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's say we've, we've got everything we need um, and we've just finished Laser Bridge, so we want to dash back to the room to the north. Uh, be careful of this beetle. Don't let him troll you. Uh, you will have your key now, so use your key to go to the room to the west. This is going to open up a big, expansive sort of crystal switch maze room, and there are a few ways to get around it. You'll see a lot of people, um, there's a specific strat you can do with item dashing with the red cane where you uh, explode You explode it so that your northernmost projectile hits the crystal, you dash through a gate, and then your uh, westernmost projectile hits another one and it closes the gate behind you so you can go the way you need to go. It's really cool. Definitely recommend doing some research, checking out how to do that strat. But even if you're not fancy enough to do something like that, even just using your master sword or anything higher um, to slash while you're standing on one of the pegs and letting it come up and hit you and then just walk through it, is a perfectly valid way to get through this room as well. Um, there's lots of anti-fairies, so if you need to powder one for some health, I'd definitely recommend doing that. But you're basically making your way to the north of the room, which is going to take you to the penultimate room of this dungeon before we fight the boss. Any other uh, things to consider in this room that you guys want to point out? Yeah, uh, other than the red cane, you know, swag uh, and I've the anti-fairies. I've seen you do that before, Axe. You, do, yeah. you know how to do that, right? Yeah, yeah. I do. So you, uh, you basically, when you walk in... I'll try to describe how you how you put it down. Um, so you'll hit the first switch to turn the blue blocks down, and then you kind of want to put a red block right in the middle of that room that's surrounded by the blue blocks, and uh, head up and hit it. And then what should happen is the blue will go down, you move across, the red will go down, you move across, and uh, then... Or sorry, the blue will already be down as you move across. Then the red will go down, and the blue will go down, and you can go through, and it looks really cool. Um, Not I think only a does lot it look of, cool, but it's fast. It's, yeah, it's, it's the fastest very way fast. for sure. Yeah, so um, it's worth learning. So yeah, it's it's really not hard. All you need to be able to do is center a Canis of Mario block. Mm-hmm. And if it's, you miss it's it, pretty easy. Yeah, if you miss it, you can still go through, and it take the normal way, and it just takes a little longer. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. so so we're we're in the final stretch here. You head through the north room. There's two skulls up here and a large pit and another one of those red cane rails. What I like to do is go uh, uh, use the red cane to make a platform, then go get these two skulls. Obviously, you backtrack a little bit, but there's a full magic refill in there. And especially if you don't have half magic, uh, that means you're going to go into Trinex with full magic instead of 
a little bit less than full magic from having used the cane after you got that full magic refill. So I like to do that. I guess if you have half magic and high enough equipment, it really doesn't even matter. But um, that would be what I would recommend. At any rate, you probably want to get that because, again, Trinex takes a bunch of magic to kill. So go ahead and use the platform. Take your final ride up. No spin slashes, remember. And head through the door. And now let's kill Trinex. Lightning round. Ooh. Let's let's take him down. All right. Um, so you're going to need your fire rod and your magic rod. And, fire rod uh, and ice rod. Uh, yep. Yep. <laughs> magic rod is... Uh, they're both magic. Yeah, they're both magical. Um, so... Typically, people go and use the ice rod on the red side first, because the red side spawns first. There is maybe something to be said for doing the other way around, just so you don't get any ice on the floor. But, uh, mm -hmm. I don't know, I'm not a fan of it. But you'll, uh, you'll go in and hit the, uh, you know, whichever head you're doing first, and that will turn it yellow. Now, hopefully you've come in with something a little bit beefier than the fighter sword, because if you have the fighter sword, uh, you can't hurt the heads, except with spins, and that will take forever. So you'll need to use the actual rods to hurt the heads, and that's very time, very very magic consuming. Um, you almost have to have actually you don't almost you do have to have multiple green or blue potions to do it that way. So we're gonna, or I guess you could use the hammer. Uh, I, I I use the hammers. Fun. Yeah, if I have anything less than tempered, if I have magic or, or fighters, I will use the hammer. And it's another one of those Argus situations where you have to use the ice rod and then immediately menu to get the hammer, hit with the hammer three times, go back to the ice rod, ice rod one time, go back to the hammer, hammer three times. That should kill it. But if, if it doesn't, then you need to do one more ice rod and then hammer one more time. Yeah, it's... Uh... Uh, yeah, it's not fun, but ideally you're coming in here with tempered or gold. Sword. Gold sword's great. Gold sword, you can take those heads down real fast. Mm -hmm. But the important thing to remember is, <clears throat> one, unless you're on gold sword, it's going to take two hits, uh, and then or not. Sorry, you're going to have to use your rod twice, basically, not two hits with your sword or whatever. And once you get that second time, the head freezes. Pull out the other rod. Because while the head is exploding, you can't pause. Yeah, that's true. That is a good point. Otherwise, you're going to have to wait for it. Yeah. Um, the other thing to know is that uh, Trinex hits very hard. Very, mm -hmm. very hard. Uh, four hearts of damage on green male, three on blue, two on red. So you don't want to get hit. And this is, again, why the ice getting put down by the blue head can be really problematic because you're gonna have that ice and you're gonna be slipping around and that could easily cause you to get hit once or twice by these heads and you could be very dead um mm -hmm. but hopefully you've you know you've managed to avoid that you've got the red head down you've got the blue head down now trinex will do this very elaborate explosion animation and will come out in its snake form and uh, it's gonna go south and then go west then go north and then it's going to kind of follow you around but for right when it comes out you actually can get some hits in on the head before it's sort of actual vulnerable spot the middle starts flashing if you're very quick you can get in uh two or maybe even three slashes and it'll die and that feels really great and you, you can be all proud otherwise 
you got to wait and get the hits in on the uh, uh, the middle section. What it's I try flashing. to do, it's very yeah. very easy to see that it's a weak spot, but yeah, yeah, it's nice to get that quick kill. What, what I try to do is charge up a tempered or gold sword spin, like slightly, I guess, kind of southwest of where the the head mm-hmm. comes out. Because mm-hmm. as you do that, you'll get knocked that way, and you might be able to get two in. And uh, it looks really cool. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, you know, it'll just follow you around. Be very careful, though, at this stage. And this is why that ice that gets put down by the blue head could really become a problem. Uh, because it will follow you. And if you walk onto that blue ice, you're probably going to get caught by it. And you're not going to have a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a couple other things to kind of fill in um what you've said is is basically the way normally that you want to go ahead and kill trinex some things to keep in mind on top of all of those things um specifically on the fire head or on the ice head sorry when you're using the fire rod if this is pretty much rng dependent but there's a good chance that it could coat the floor in ice as axe had mentioned earlier it's very annoying um it is something you're going to have to deal with one thing that can help is if there if that has happened already moving up to the side of the ice head um, and attacking it from the side uh, can can make life a little bit easier so you don't have to walk around in that ice as much um, which leads me to my next uh, word of caution is uh, trinex's third head by the way trinex three necks three heads is everybody everybody on board with that um, yes th- yeah mm-hmm. and the, and three x's right three x's what do you mean nope oh only two x's i thought it was try next like but it's only two x's Uh, never mind (laughs) okay so yeah try next um so the the middle one um it will occasionally uh attack link wherever link is it'll just it'll just uh, go and, and try to hit him the way you can tell this is about to happen is if the tail starts to wag faster and faster so um i think helmetsword king does that same thing actually so be on the lookout for that so you can avoid that that thing hits really hard um and it could potentially kill you and it's kind of harder to avoid when you're on the side um trying to kill the ice head from that direction so be careful of that there is a newer strat that people have started to use where you can actually do this whole thing from the back from you actually go behind trinex's shell at the beginning and do all of your attacks from in between those spikes and the wall and Trinex's body. Have any of you guys ever messed around with this Trinex backwards strat before? Yeah. Yeah. It's a Trinex backdoor. I usually try it when I have boots and the gold sword. That's uh, my requirements for trying it because then you can kill the heads fast enough that they don't, you know, move forward and come out, so to speak. Uh, but your timing needs to be pretty much on point so you don't, you know, accidentally have them move out of your range when you're behind Trinex. Gotcha. It seems like it's faster and maybe even a little bit safer to it's do. Re- it's really fast. You just need to get back there fast enough and then be pretty on point with your fire rod or ice rod shots and your slashes and stuff. Gotcha. And then the last thing I wanted to mention is if you aren't able to get a quick kill on the second phase of Trinex and it starts to chase you around... Um, it's a really unique kind of movement that it has. It's not like anything else in the game. It will make a beeline for Link and, and take a direct path. If you sidestep it at the last second, not unlike a bull, it'll it'll continue to run and, and kind of has to like continue with its momentum. So my advice is to kind of use that to your advantage. Let its momentum take it past you and then hit it with a slash. Um, and if you try to take tight circles around it to avoid it, 
it's it's gonna probably get you because it's not have to get, it's not gonna have to travel as far to be able to attack you. But if you move very far away and force it to gain a lot of momentum to come towards you, that's a lot easier to sidestep and use to your advantage that way. So that's my general kind of strategy if I'm if I do find myself dealing with this phase of the fight. Um, but it's not it's ultimately not too hard. Just don't don't get hit. And then finally, the last thing I'll say is no matter where you kill Trinex in the room, the final item is going to spawn in the center, maybe a little bit lower than center in the room. So as soon as you kill Trinex, make your way to that point and just patiently wait for your item. If you try to stay where Trinex died, you know, and like over where the explosion is, you'll have to walk over to the item and that's going to waste time. And you want to mm-hmm. be where the item's going to be. So. Any other tips about Trinex? I feel like we pretty thoroughly destroyed this beast. Yeah, I would say so. Cool. All right. Well, Go Mode, we've already mentioned a few different places where Go Mode differs a little bit. Um, there is, of course, as we mentioned, you know, potential you could skip that beginning Eastern room. I definitely wouldn't recommend that, though. It's just a little too risky. Um, but you could try to do that if you were in Go Mode since you're not looking for items. Um, there's that top bottom pipe thing to consider from before, depending on what your big key situation looks like, you may be able to skip. And then Mm -hmm. of course, if you have one small key on your way into the crystal maze, uh, you can maybe just skip laser bridge altogether, which would be a huge time save. Keep in mind, you might want that safety down there though, regardless. So, um, and of course with any go mode, you know, if you feel like you're close enough to check some of these locations just to maybe get, I don't know, a better sword or a better mail or half magic or something like that, um, you know, that's kind of up to you to decide how much out of your way you want to go for these things. But, um, that, that's go mode for turtle rock. And I think this one's done. Yeah, boys. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sweet. Okay, so uh, here we are wrapping up the episode. No emails. That's two weeks in a row. No emails. We need some emails, guys. Oh, yeah. I know. We're we're. I think we that. You know what that means is we've answered all of the questions that could possibly <laughs> be asked about a link to the past randomizer. So, good job, guys. Congratulations. No more questions to ask. Yeah, How we're nice done. would that be? Yeah. Well, if you happen to think of you know just by some crazy chance some question that that you uh, have for us, you can email that to us. Email at gomodepodcast.com. You can also use the contact form on our website. Um, and you can also reach us through our Discord, which we'll put a link to join in the description. We like to chat with our uh, fellow listeners there about the episodes and just about Rando in general. We certainly welcome you to join in on the conversation. Uh, we're also on Twitter at gomodepodcast. Uh, feel free to follow there. If I see that you're playing Rando and talking about rando i'll probably comment retweet you so feel free to join us there um axial how can people watch you play a link to the past randomizer yeah so on twitch i am sa underscore axial uh, but you can also chat me up on the discord and i try to keep an eye on that and uh, you know keep an eye on the conversations and chime in if i have anything to say if i'm not saying anything it's not that i'm not reading it i just don't really have anything to contribute yep <laughs> okay uh, and Herfy, what about you? Yeah, pretty much the same for me. Uh, I'm, of course, also on the GOMO podcast Discord. Uh, I can be found on Twitch TV slash Herfy Durfy. I'm streaming a little bit, but not very much, unfortunately. Uh, I'm not really a Twitter user. I think I have a Twitter account, but it's mostly used for uploading screenshots from my consoles. 
So, uh, yeah, that, if you're interested in that, you feel free to look that up. <laughs> That's about it. Okay. And uh, I'm also on Twitch, twitch.tv slash temp underscore. I've been experimenting with playing some music uh, for just from my normal, my regular Spotify uh, instead of, you know, the randomizer songs that we're all, we've, you know, heard a million times from A Link to the Past. So mm-hmm. um, come by if you want to listen to some music, watch me play some rando, give me some tips, just, you know, just uh, kind of hang out, just whatever. So, yeah, that's how you can find me. Uh, and then finally, we, we haven't mentioned this in a little while. If you are enjoying the show, uh, it would be really helpful if you're able to leave us a review on iTunes. Um, that is the first impression that a lot of people get when they're deciding if they want to listen or not. And having the endorsement of the fans uh, in that platform is super helpful. Also, on a more personal note, we just love to read them. And, and I'm always checking. And, and it's really great to see that you know there are people enjoying the show and makes it a lot easier to, you know, wake up early and put together these outlines and, and you know, you spend, spend a few hours editing and all that. It makes it all worth it to know that there's people mm-hmm. out there that are enjoying it. So, um, yeah, leave us a review. Uh, if you're able to, tell people about the show. And, yeah, I think that's going to do it for us. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, mirror out. 